I want you to consider uh, just for a moment, what is your favorite part of the Christmas season? Maybe for some of you, it's the food. I love the food at Christmas. I know that is surprising uh, from my physique, but I love the food. Uh, My family had a tradition every year when I was growing up that Christmas Eve morning, uh, we would bake homemade bread, and then the night of the Christmas Eve service, we would take the bread and deliver it to our church friends. My mom was a serious baker. Uh, I married a serious baker. I love the cookies, the checks mix, the food. I love the whole thing. Maybe for some of you, it's the movies. And It's a Wonderful Life, and Charlie Brown and the Grinch have been paint, uh, playing over the last month on your TV. Maybe for some of you, it's the music, and truth be told, uh, you started listening to Christmas m- music even before Halloween. Uh, we're praying for you. Uh, but music is a huge part of the Christmas story. As a matter of fact, when Mary found out that she was uh, pregnant with Jesus by the Holy Spirit, the first thing she did was sing a song. We've been producing Christmas music ever since. Maybe for some of you, it's family time, and this is one of the hardest things this year, uh, that that for a lot of you that are watching today, some family traditions have been disrupted, and there's been a change of plans, and it's been really, really hard on you because that's your favorite part of Christmas. Maybe for some of you, it's the presents, and we might have some kids watching today, and uh, the presents are a big deal to you, and that's your favorite part of the holiday season, but really perhaps the best way to say it would have been this. I'm gonna go ahead and correct myself that what is your second favorite thing about Christmas? Because uh, that would be the better way to say it because we know as uh, we're celebrating Christmas throughout this month that the Christmas season is still all about Jesus and it's all about a celebration of his birth. He is the first and most important thing. Everything else is secondary, third, fourth, and, and fifth. Here's how Luke records it. He says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census, census should be taken of the entire Roman world and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And when they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the flocks nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts uh, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed, and the shepherds said to them, uh, were amazed by what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured all these things up and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. It's all about Jesus. 
in Luke. It's all about his birth and what he accomplished through that birth. Uh, Later, it's all about his death and his resurrection, his ascension and his second coming. And because the Bible is really all about Jesus, you really see him on every page of your Bible. This is Priscilla Shire's point. She says about Jesus that he's on every page, that in Genesis, he is the breath of life. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, he is the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is Israel's guide. In Joshua, he is salvation's choice. In Judges, he is Israel's guard. In Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is the trusted prophet. In First and Second Kings and Chronicles, he is the sovereign. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of walls and lives. In Esther, he is our courage. In Job, he is our timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he is our morning song. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is a time and a season. In the Song of Songs, he is the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he is a cry for Israel. In Ezekiel, he is a call from sin. In Daniel, he is the stranger in the fire. And in Hosea, he is forever faithful. Joel, he is, in Joel, he is the Spirit's power. In Amos, he is the strong arms that carry us. In Obadiah, he is the Lord, our Savior. In Jonah, he is the great missionary. In Micah, he is the promise of the peace. In Nahum, he is our strength and shield. In Habakkuk, he brings revival. In Zephaniah and Haggai, he restores that which, that which was lost. In Zechariah, he is our fountain. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. And that is just who he is in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is your Messiah. In Acts, he is our reigning fire. In Romans, he is the grace of God. In 1 and 2 Corinthians, he is the power of love. In Galatians, he is freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he is our glorious treasure. In Philippians, he is the servant's heart. In Colossians, he is God in the Trinity. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he is our calling, uh, our, our calling king. In 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, he is our mediator and faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he is our everlasting courage. In James, he is the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he is our faithful shepherd. In uh, the three Johns and Jude, he is the lover who is to come. And in Revelation, he is the one who was and is and is to come. It is all about Jesus. It is all about his glory and his majesty and his name. And you have to admit, like Scott was saying earlier, there is a little bit of a disconnect in the story, isn't there? On one hand, in the Christmas story, you have this baby that is born in obscurity to unknown parents. They can't even get a hotel room. So they have to give birth basically in a cave. You have that on, on one hand. And on the other hand, you have the angels show up and they are singing glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace on, on those to whom his favor rests. You have, uh, the, you have Mary singing the song of praise. You have the shepherds engaging in praise. You have the magi coming from the east bearing gifts. You have this small group of people that seem to know something that the rest of the world has not yet discovered. They seem to know something that the innkeeper has not yet discovered. And it's this truth. This baby lying in a manger is great. He is great. And the baby, he is our Lord, our King, our Messiah, and our Savior. And as he grew from that baby and was seen by more and more people, people started to discover this about him. When he was 30 years old, he would teach and people would say, man, his teaching has authority, that he is teaching the very words of God. His miracles stun people. 
He healed a man born blind. He fed 5,000 people with a few loaves. He walked on water. His resurrection changed everything forever. I like how the Apostle Paul says it later. He says, what I received, I, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to, according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one who was abnormally born. And listen. Paul includes this list for a reason, that these lives were forever changed because they had seen the resurrected Christ and they had left that moment and now had great courage, right? There's this kind of disconnect of before their trembling and fear and post-resurrection, their great courage, incredible purpose, a life spent serving him. Why? They had seen his greatness, they now knew what they had been sure of before, somewhat sure of before. They knew that the baby laying in the manger, the, the, the baby who grew to be a man and died for their sins and resurrected, they knew that this man was great. The Bible says, like Scott said earlier, that at some point Jesus is going to return. And in that moment, who he is, his greatness is not going to be veiled anymore. The whole world, the Bible says, will see his greatness. Let me share with you. I shared this with our church uh, a few weeks ago. This is a quote by Ray Pritchard, and I like how he describes the first coming to the second coming. He says, the first time Jesus came unnoticed into the world, the second time every eye will see him. In the first coming, Jesus humbled himself, being born in a stable in Bethlehem. When he returns, he will come back as the King of kings and Lord of lords. In the first coming, he endured the mockery of men who despised him for his goodness. Although he was the Son of God, he allowed them to put him to death that he might thereby provide salvation to the world. When he comes again, all mockery will cease, for he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. He came the first time as the Lamb of God. He comes again as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. 2,000 years ago, the religious leaders shouted in scorn, he saved others, but he can't save himself. The day is coming when the whole world will see Jesus for who he really is. And when that happens, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, God the Father. And on that day of his return, like the scripture says, every eye will see, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is great. That he is great, that he is the Lord. So I wanna talk for a minute about Christmas present. I wanna talk for a minute about today of, and I wanna ask you a simple question, what are you doing with Jesus? Is he uh, like another story that you tell your kids this time of year that has the same weight as a dozen or so other stories that we tell our kids this year? That the Jesus story is in a long line of stories like Frosty the Snowman or Rudolph. It's just another beautiful story that we tell this time of year. Is that how we treat Jesus or do we understand the truth of this message? That he is great. Do you and your family recognize the greatness of who he is this time of year? That you're like the angels, you're like the shepherds, you're like Mary. Jesus hasn't yet returned yet, but you don't need him to return. You already know that he's great. You know, your family knows that he's great. And so you worship him. 
You obey him. You follow him. Your faith is in him because you know. You know what people have known over the last couple thousand, year, couple thousand of years. Uh, you know that he's great. And listen, this Christmas, this Christmas, there's a lot of things that are not great. There's a lot of things that are not great this, this year. I wouldn't ask you to celebrate something right now that is not great. I would ask you to celebrate tonight someone who is great. The Lord, Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, our King, and our Prince. Make him great. Make him great because he is great. And worship him, follow him, obey him, celebrate him. There's a lot to not celebrate this year, but this is worth celebrating. It is the greatness and majesty of our King. So we're gonna remember him right now. If you wanna hit pause on the video, you can, but we're gonna, to get your communion stuff together, we're gonna celebrate uh, and remember specifically the greatness of Jesus, that he went to a cross and he died, and three days later he resurrected for our salvation and for our life. So let me pray, and then we'll receive communion together. Jesus, we thank you for being great. You are great. You are our Lord, Messiah, Savior, friend, Redeemer. You are everything. You are great. So you are not just another story that we tell. You are our God that we worship and lay our lives down for and follow and obey. You are our everything. You're not just another story. You are great. So I pray that every eye watching this video would see it every tongue would confess it, and every knee would bow down to you and serve you and worship you because you are worthy of it. You are truly great. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. His body given for you. His blood poured out. Jesus, again, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for that gift. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hey, Merry Christmas. I want to thank you for joining us uh, today. Whenever you're watching, we're glad that you did. And uh, my prayer for you is the, the same thing, uh, same prayer I have for my family and, and every family. It is that we would see the greatness of Jesus. There's a lot that's not great, to be sure, in our world right now. This isn't one of them. This is great. That Jesus is available to you, he loves you, and he has a desire to lead you uh, to life. So let's make him great. Let's celebrate his greatness. Let's celebrate Jesus. We're gonna close with one last song. God bless, Merry Christmas.